Amen. Thank you, worship team. Powerful, powerful worship. Well, at this time, we'll go ahead and release Flip 180. You guys can be released to your class. If you have a fifth through eighth grade, they can be released to go to a class. And uh, we'll turn it right over to Pastor Tom. Amen. Jesus himself is here. Everybody's calling him Jesus because of his beard. Amen. Have at it, Jesus. Well, if you can't act like him, you can sure look like him. There you go. You can act like him. Amen. That's some good uh, declaration in that song. I'll give you a little worship insider moment in the Psalms when you read. A lot of the Psalms will, um, under the heading, it'll say a maskil, M-A-S-K-I-L. And that word maskil means a song of instruction, which means sing this song and you'll learn something. Sing this song with your kids, they'll learn something. Sing it with your spouse, you'll learn something. Sing it at your gatherings, you'll learn something. And a lot of songs we sing have that ability to teach us where we don't even realize. You just got a very good Trinitarian doctrine you got some identity on who God is, creator, three in one, righteous son. If you didn't know who God was, you can sing that song and you could get a good idea. You'd learn something. There's another song we sing. Um, Yeah, it's that song right there. It's uh, Jesus, worthy is the Lamb who was slain for. And of God and man, you are high and lifted up, and all the earth will sing your great name. There it is. I knew we'd get to it. The whole, every verse throughout that whole song, line after line after line, if you didn't know who Jesus was, you will learn who Christ is. He's our healer, our redeemer, our deliverer. You know, it's not just a catchy tune. It's, there's something there that we can be declaring. And I know I said this, and I'm not going to re-preach it, but man, worship is good for your soul. It is so good for your soul. It's good for my soul. Your, your soul is hungry for it. just craving something good to be said, something good to be declared, something good to be feasted upon instead of the garbage that's constantly being thrown at us. Like I said last week on face puke. I mean, come on. It is constant. Everyone, you know, 
It's like opinion after opinion. You know what opinion's like, don't you? We'll try not, I'll, I'll try to use medical terms. You know, an opinion, it's like a sphincter. Everyone has one, and most of them stink. Okay, that was a better joke than that polite laugh you got. Okay, well, let's get holy. Let's read the Bible or something. Okay, so last week we talked about generational sins and generational curses, right? Everybody remember that? If you weren't here, shame on you. No, not really. Go to the podcast and you can listen to it. It was there. Good information because you're dealing with it, whether you know it or not. You are. Everyone, I don't care how cool you think you are, it's happening. There's stuff that's been passed down from your great, great, great whoever's. That's affecting you today. It's affecting your attitudes. It's affecting your behaviors. It's affecting the way you see the world. It's been passed down. And we got to deal with those things. Now, to get in our theologically sound kind of, so we can go and talk intelligently, what was the big scripture? Does anybody remember? The, 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 the scripture that I read that was like, that's the one. So when someone says, what do you talk about all this generational blah, blah, blah? What was that scripture? Do you remember? There was a bunch. I know. I, I used a bunch, but there's one. Wow. Okay. Let's go back to my message last week. <laughs> I'll give you the book, Exodus. Right? Exodus. Who remembers the chapter? Anyone? Who said What? 20, thank you. What? What? You. Oh, happy day. You've put a smile on my face, girl. Exodus 20, verse 5. If someone wants to know what's all this talk you do about generational blah, blah, blah. You go right here in the Bible, Exodus 20, verse 5. Everybody say it with me. Exodus 20, verse 5. Memorize that address. I don't expect you to memorize the whole verse, but at least memorize that simple little three words. Exodus 25. So you can talk intelligently to other people who need this help. Not just it's your hokey pokey, shake yourself about kind of stuff. This is Bible. Now, who remembers the one in the New Testament? No, it's the example. We're looking for the example that you could easily point to. It had to do with a guy and his grandma and his mom. What was it? Timothy. Everybody say Timothy. First, or second Timothy. Say not the first guy, the second guy. It's the same guy, but just, you know. <laughs> Second Timothy. One, chapter one, verse five. So two, one, five. If you can remember that. Two, one, five. Two, Tim, one, five. He talks about how there was a blessing that came down from Tim's, Timmy's, little Tim, Timaroonies. His grandma, Eunice, came to mom, Lois, and now it's present in Timothy. So we got old and new, right? Can you do that? 
If I hire someone to come see you at work and say, hey, I heard this weird stuff about generational curses, you can talk to them, right? right. Open your, you got a Bible? I got one on my iPod right here. Da, 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 da. Let's be theologically sound, okay? Let's talk about this stuff to people in an intelligent way so that there is something we can bring freedom. It's the whole point of Jesus Christ, the revelation of the teacher to you. Teach and learn, amen? Okay, enough review. Let's talk about today's stuff. So as I sh- I've been talking about, today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about the second problem area that every Christian deals with. And oh, howdy, this one is a biggie. And so, as I've been, and, and again, I'm sharing this because of the experience that my wife and I went on for a whole week when we were at Restoring the Foundations in, in North Carolina. And they took us through these four problem areas Oh, so, so well, oh, so brilliantly. And the second area that we, they took us through was the area of ungodly beliefs. And an ungodly belief, and I'll give you just an easy, quick definition, it's the lies that we believe about anything. So for simplicity's sake, we're just going to call them ungodly beliefs. And every single one of us, to some extent in our life, live out of an ungodly belief. And and we can call them lies. They're, They're lies about ourselves They're lies about other people. They're lies about God. And and the reason why ungodly beliefs are so dangerous is because they affect our perceptions. They, They affect our decisions. They ultimately affect how we act with ourselves and with others. And with our relationship with God. And you remember um, another thing I, I shared last week. I said this. I said the goal of Christianity is not to act like Jesus. It is to think like Jesus. Say this after me. The goal of Christianity is to think like Jesus. If we think like Jesus, then guess what happens to our actions? Our actions follow right along with our thoughts. Whatever you think and believe, that is what you're going to act out. And if we believe lies, which are ungodly beliefs, then guess what we're living out of? We're living out of those things. All of our behaviors All of them come from what we really believe. So let's look at a couple of good scriptures to start out with the foundation here. We're going to look at Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 7. So we study beliefs. And it says, Let the wicked forsake his way, 
and the evil man his actions? And let the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will freely pardon. That's powerful. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, our famous hallmark scripture. Says this, it says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your actions, by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Over and over, Scripture tells us, deal with your brain. Deal with that soft, mushy thing between your ears. Focus on that, and you will act the way you know you want to act. So when we think about beliefs in general, not just ungodly beliefs or godly beliefs, but just beliefs. I mean, we ask the question, you know, what is a belief system? What, we all have one. We all have a belief system that we live from. But what is that? Well, the definition I have A belief system is the sum of our beliefs, decisions, attitudes, agreements, judgments, expectations, vows, and oaths. That's a big one. A belief system is the sum of our beliefs, our decisions, attitudes, agreements, judgments, expectations, vows, and oaths. And when we have a belief system that agrees with God, which means it agrees with His Word, the Bible, it agrees with His nature, it agrees with His character, that forms our godly beliefs. On the other side, the flip, well, not the flip, just a whole nother rotten coin you'd just rather not have. Any beliefs that we possess that do not agree with God, His Word, His nature, or His character, that belief is an ungodly belief. And here's a quick little test. I'm going to share another one, but here's, here's one right off the bat I can give you to find out. If you want to write these down, there's just three of them. But a little test to find out if, if your godly belief is really a godly belief. Okay? And the first test is, is if you really have it as a godly belief, is a, a real godly belief is always reflected in our actions. A real godly belief is reflected 
and our actions, how we live, how we do life. You can't say, oh, brother, I believe in tithing and then never tithe. That's not a godly belief. Oh, but my finances, you know I have the heart of a tither. I've heard that so many times. Oh, if I had it, I'd do it. Guess what? It's not a godly belief. There's another belief you do have, and it's much stronger than the one that says God provides bread to the sower. A godly, a real godly belief always shows up in how you act. Number two, a real godly belief is rooted in our heart. Again, remember when we talked about thinking like Jesus is not just logical agreement with stuff. It's also emotional agreement. And if we stick with the tithing thing, it comes when you put that money in. It doesn't, it's not like, I did it. I'm a tither, Tom. It hurt me. Oh, I didn't like it at all, but I did it. Uh Uh-oh, we're not there yet. When I tithe, oh, joy. Oh, God. Here's ten back from the whole hundred you gave me. It's all yours. I love you. Here you go. No religion. No compulsion. It's my heart connected with his heart that makes me go, boink, And I don't even think about it. In fact, I enjoy it so much I give more than 10% because I like it. It's fun. My heart is connected with my godly belief. And number three, a real godly belief stands firm in the face of challenge. A real godly belief stands firm in the face of challenge. Uh Uh-oh, my car's engine blew up. I could either take my tithe and go invest it in my car, or I can trust the Lord. God, take it. I'd rather get the car you're going to upgrade me with anyway. I don't know about you. Unfortunately, I don't know how I feel about this, but usually my upgrades in life become from disaster. (laughs) I don't know why I don't like it that way. You know, it's like God has to completely wreck something and totally break it before I can accept something new. I don't know why that is. Uh, you know, I got hit by a drunk driver one time, totaled the car. So me and my wife and my baby are hillbilly in it in my pickup truck for months. Till the Lord brought us a vehicle and I got a great deal on it. Oh, it was so much fun negotiating with the car salesman. And I took him. I took him. It was so good. Listen, it was so good. I did my research. I did my due diligence. You know, that's me. I'm just going to research so we go negotiate, 
we're just looking at cars. We're not even picking one, you know. I'm just, Michelle's along for the ride. I don't know that she even really thought we were serious. We find this van. And, of course, they're out there. Hey, you, you want a new car today? Yes, of course we do. All right, here's, you know. So we get in this used, this used van, and I tell Michelle, I'm like, hey, let's, let's take it for a ride. And she goes, this one? I go, yeah, this one. That's the one they want. It's whatever. We do a whole test drive, come back. So we sit down, and the, I'm sitting with the sales guy at this point, you know. All right, so what do we got to do? I said, well, I like the van. I said, but I would like it for $5,000 less than what you're trying to sell it. Oh, I can't do that. And I knew he would say that because I did my other research on how to work with car salesmen. <laughs> Seriously, I bought a book on it. <laughs> Hey, leaders are readers, man. I'm blessed. <laughs> so he tells me, oh, I can't do that. And I said, sure you can. No, I can't. I said, yeah, I know you can. I want this car. I'm actually buying a car today. It's either going to be here or down at the Honda lot because that's where I came from, and I had a vehicle there I really like. I just can't. I can't do it. I said, well, did you talk to your sales manager? That's the trick. The guys who are out on the lot, they don't make any decisions. You always ask for the sales manager. Always, 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 always. He goes, no, I didn't, I didn't. I said, okay, well, how about you do, he's like, seriously, you really want me to ask him? I said, I want you to ask him. <laughs> do, 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 do. Here comes the sales manager. He's shorter than me, believe that. <laughs> but he's one of these little big guys. I mean, he is ready. This dude, he's got the gold necklace, his shirt's unbuttoned down to here. <laughs> I'm not joking. It was so cliche, I almost laughed myself. <laughs> and so he, and, and again, the book tells you about how they really try to intimidate you, and they stand up, and they try to talk over the top of you because I'm sitting in my chair, you know. I'm just helpless little me. Oh, come on, man. You seriously can't. You're not going to look, you know, and he's just hammering me, like really trying to, like, you're, you're stupid. I can't do this. He, I'm like, listen, I'm buying a car. I want to buy your car. If you don't want to sell your car, I don't want your car. I'm buying your car for this much money. That's what I'm doing today. Real nice. He goes off and he gets the fax report, you know. Look at this. Look with all these options. You get this and this and this. I knew he was going to do that. And all those little extras, the air conditioning, the CD player, the, all that stuff, it doesn't matter on used cars. And so he goes, look at this. You're asking for the base price. I said, I know. I said, but listen, we both know this. I said, all this stuff, all these extras that cost this 300 and I said, well, we both know. That's a bunch of bull. I said, I'm going to give you 900 more than the base price. You should be happy because you did not pay the last person the money that you're asking for. I know you didn't. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to buy this car today for this much. <laughs> and so the guy goes, from this big price, in a split second, he goes, how about this much? Which was like just a couple hundred more than what I offered. And I went, I like that price. <laughs> and so I got the car exactly what I wanted. And as I'm walking out, he says, he stops me in the hall. And he goes, what do you do for a living? <laughs> I go, I'm a pastor. And he goes, he goes, well, if you ever want a job selling cars, you let me know. 
and said, I'll keep that in mind. It, it may not work out for me. <laughs> anyway, I don't know why I said any of that other than the upgrades. In the face of challenge. That's how we got on that one. Wow, I feel like I was on the internet for a moment. How did I get over in this world? I'm sorry. So anyway, real godly, I really believed in my heart I was going to get that car for what I wanted, and I got it. So there we go. I don't know. Upgrade Jesus. I could have paid what he wanted, but I didn't. I went and knew God wanted to honor the fact that I honor him with my money. That's all it was. God didn't owe me anything. It came out of our relationship, my connection with him. So those were three little ways to find out if your godly belief really is a godly belief. But how do we identify what a real ungodly belief is? Well, here's another definition I'll give you of what I believe an ungodly belief is. An ungodly belief is any belief that appears to be absolutely true based on the facts of our experience and yet it is absolutely false based on God's word. I'll say it again. An ungodly belief is any belief that appears to be absolutely true based on the facts of our experience and yet is absolutely false based on God's word. So here's some examples of, and these are easy, real simple ungodly beliefs. Here's one. No one loves me. Your experience may make you feel that way. But it's absolutely false according to God's word. Here's another ungodly belief. I am all alone. The facts may point to that could be the possibility. But the truth is you're not. Here's another one. I am defective. There's just something really wrong and broken with me. That is an ungodly belief. And here's a big one. God doesn't love me. Our emotions are very strongly connected with some of these. And they feel true. But when you take them and you put them in the light of God's word, you find it is absolutely a lie. 
And although most of those, you know, those statements that I just read were completely false, most people who think this way do not even realize it. And why is that? I believe it's because ungodly beliefs are usually hidden from us. You see, until an ungodly belief is pointed out to us, we continue on day after day living our life based on this ungodly lie. And when we finally recognize an ungodly belief uh, and we it is at that point we realize that it is completely at odds with God's word. Now, the problem with ungodly beliefs is that most ungodly beliefs are, are not absolutes. But rather, they are usually a mixture of truth and error. Here's another good test if you want to write this one down. And it's not so clear cut. I'm going to explain it to you and you summarize it however. Another good test to see if if a belief or your self-talk, you know, the, the stuff that's going around in your head is godly or ungodly. Imagine this for a moment. Imagine, take the last thought you had about yourself. Imagine now that you are sitting with another person and you're trying to help them. You're trying to better them, whatever. Take that last thought that you had about yourself and now imagine yourself saying that to the person who's sitting in front of you. So, For instance, let's say the last thought you had about yourself was, I am a failure. Now imagine you're sitting with someone trying to help them. Take that thought and now say, you know, I was just thinking about you and I think you're a failure. You know, I'm not very smart. You know, I was thinking how, how you were mumbled. You just botched that scripture. You're really not that smart, are you? Is that helpful? Hmm? Is it helpful? It's not. We wouldn't dare say those things to other people unless we're really a broken individual. <laughs> those pe- I've heard those things said to me, so... <laughs> I know it, it happens. This is not supposed to. <laughs> you know, any good-natured person, you know, would not be able to, to say that to someone else. But yet, we're okay with that self-talk all day long. I'm never going to get ahead. I'll never find a spouse. Would you tell that to your other single friends? You're probably never going to find someone. <laughs> you are. You're, you're, you're a little too fat, and you're too old, and you're something, you know. 
And, but we would say that about ourselves. I'm too fat, I'm too old, I'm too something. I'm too hard to get along with. So use that as your gauge. Is what I'm saying and thinking something I could say to another human being? Because if you even have just a slight amount of compassion, you wouldn't. You would not say the negative bad stuff. So if we wouldn't say it to someone else, why are you saying it to yourself? Tom Preble. I have quite the negativity fests in my house all by myself. Just me and the devil. Just having fun, who can outdo each other sometimes. And we say it to ourselves again because it seems like these are the facts. This is my experience has taught me this. I have history of failure. I have history. I've tried lots of things and they failed. So my history, my experience is I am a failure. And so are you, right? Right, because that's what we would do. We would tell other people. You wouldn't say it to another person. Not someone you're, you're in a you're good-natured, Jesus, part of you, compassionate person you are. You just wouldn't do it. So how do we develop these ungodly beliefs? Well, you know, the dynamics of how Ungodly beliefs are formed and continue to gain strength, I believe can be described by a cycle. It's like a a cycle. I'll call it the expectation cycle. And it goes like this. So if you want to draw, and I was going to do a cool PowerPoint, but I didn't, so you're going to have to be artistic. So just draw a bubble. and, And in that bubble, just write the word, experiences this is going to be a uh, I don't know what the technical term where you choose like a circle of circles and connect lines through them something diagram Venn diagram I did it I got it this is going to be a Venn diagram but here's how it starts okay our ungodly beliefs are formed out of our hurtful experiences okay draw another circle Line to it. Our ungodly beliefs are formed out of hurtful expectations that lead to beliefs. Write that in the next bubble. No, sorry, don't do that. Oh, sorry. I see I should have done my own diagram. I didn't. Okay, if you're in pen, I apologize. If you're in pencil, erase it. Here it is. Our ungodly beliefs, I'm just going to read it for my notes. (laughs) Ungodly beliefs are formed out of hurtful experiences that lead to expectations. Okay, that's the next bubble. Expectations. The next bubble. Our expectations then affect our behavior. Write that in the next bubble. 
which, by the way, causes and influences the behavior of others. We can influence them. Obviously, people have their own choices they're making, but our behavior can heavily influence someone else's behavior. And then your next bubble, this will be the last one. And so our behavior then leads to back to our experience. So maybe there's not a bubble there, just another line. And that experience confirms our ungodly belief. Okay? We have an experience. It leads to an expectation. If I do this, this is going to happen. If I say this, I'm going to get this result. If I do or don't do this, it's going to happen. Expectations lead to our behavior. Now I'm going to do what I think I expect to happen. And out of our behavior come our experience all over again. And that is how we get an ungodly belief to really get deep in our heart. Because we go through that cycle over and over and over again sometimes. And that vicious cycle gets stronger and stronger until we choose to make God's truth our new belief system. I mean, think of it like this. Our beliefs affect our identity. How we perceive others, how we relate to others, to how we relate to the world around us, and, and even how we relate to God. Our beliefs, they determine how Christ-like we become. Our beliefs even determine the quality of the Christian life that you're trying to live. And so what happens is ungodly beliefs, they become like a vice grip. Putting unnecessary limitations on our lives. Do you hear what I'm saying? Squeezing you. You want to be a, a, a bird and fly away. But guess what? Our ungodly beliefs are squeezing us. They're keeping us from soaring into the glorious heights that God wants us to. Choking out the abundant life that Jesus promised each and every one of you in this room. Abundant life. Not just enough to get through the day. Not just enough to get you to dinner and then you fall apart. Abundant life. John chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus said this. He said, since the thief comes only to still kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Our ungodly beliefs, they're like, they're like spiritual termites. Quietly working behind the scenes, undermining and, and eating away at, at our faith. That's being established in us. 
Ungodly beliefs are, are these termites and they're, they're working and they're just, they're eating at the foundation of our life. They're eroding the foundation of our lives. If we were to use a Bible word to accurately describe ungodly beliefs, we could just use the simple word unbelief. Everybody say that, unbelief. Ungodly beliefs are really unbelief. They hinder and block our faith in God, and they hinder and they block the truth of God's promises to our life. And not only that, but, but we hinder or shut off God's blessings when we hold on to and we live under unbelief. Hebrews chapter 11, let's look at this. Hebrews 11 verse 6, it says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. This is telling us that God rewards faith. Say that with me. God rewards faith. Anybody felt like they just got a big fat blessing the last pity party they had? I mean, it just turned out great. Presence of God just, you know, just endorsed everything you thought and were thinking. Didn't happen. I promise you it didn't. God does not reward unbelief. He doesn't reward the lack of faith. He rewards faith. Proverbs 23 and verse 7. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. For as she thinks in her heart, so is she. You and I literally, okay, listen, you and I are literally becoming the thoughts that we have about ourselves. We are becoming the thoughts that we have about others and about God. And there is a great hazard when we live in unbelief when we live with ungodly beliefs, lies, it is hazardous to your health. Hazardous to your relationships. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Now, who's Paul? Is he talking to, like, people who aren't Christians yet? No. 
He's talking to Christians. Verse 13, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We talked about that in generational curses, right? Deception, deceit. Verse 14, we have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly to the end the confidence we had at first. Just as it has been said today, everybody say today. If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. He's talking about Israel in the desert. Who were they that heard and rebelled? He's going to tell you, just like I did. Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the desert? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of what? Their unbelief. The author of Hebrews clearly understood the connection between unbelief, lack of faith, and disobedience. He makes it clear in verse 12. He says that an unbelieving heart is a sinful heart. And it seems clear that an unbelieving heart cannot be obedient because it's still being controlled by our old nature. You know, the nation of Israel who, who wandered for 38 years because of their unbelief, they're our example. That's why Hebrews put it in there. All of the adult males who were delivered out of Egypt died in the wilderness. <laughs> However, a faith-filled, believing heart that leads to obedience leads us to the promised land. And literally, he's talking about the rest of God. Not the rest of God, but resting, like chilling in God. Faith-filled, believing, leads us to be able to rest in God's promises. Instead of all the striving that we do. Let's look at another scripture. Galatians 6. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give 
up. Say that with me. Do not give up. Now, imagine for a moment, just, just imagine that every thought you and I have is a seed. Whether it's a good one or an evil one, positive or negative, every thought is a seed that is, gets planted deep within the soil of our heart. And here in Galatians, we read that whatever we sow, whether we sow to the flesh or we sow to the spirit, we will have a harvest. It's coming. This is good. Let's go to Mark 11. And Jesus replying said to them, have faith in God constantly. I'm going to read this out of Amplified. Have faith in God constantly. Truly I tell you, whoever says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt at all in his heart, but believes what he says will take place, it will be done for him. For this reason, I am telling you, Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe, trust, and be confident that it is granted to you, and you will get it. Now, imagine, again, all your thoughts, all the thought seeds that you have have been planted into your heart. In fact, Matthew 12, verse 34 Second half says, for out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you see what's happening? I have thoughts. I think them a lot. They get planted into my heart. Harvest time. Blah. Face puke. So beliefs. Every belief are thoughts that get planted into our heart. And out of what we believe in our heart, we speak. And in this passage in Mark eleven twenty two through 24, it tells us that whatever we believe and say will become our reality. You see, whatever we plant with faith, with expectancy, and absolute confidence that we shall have it, guess what? You're going to get it. Good or bad. Sometimes our faith is really tied to a bunch of garbage. They're going to reject me. I'm going to look stupid. I'm not going to have any fun. I'm going, you know, I'll give you, my children love to, Curse themselves. I'm going to be bored. It's not going to be fun. You're right. There's a harvest coming. It's going to get bad. You're still coming, but it's still <laughs> just saying. Good or bad, your thoughts are seeds in your heart that reap a harvest. So let me, let me again just summarize, capsulate this thing. What we believe in our heart 
the things that we say and think, the things that we expect to have, we will receive them. God's word promises it. And as a result, our beliefs get reinforced by our experience. What we experience reinforces our beliefs. And around we go. And if it's bad, it's bad. But when it gets good, it quits being a tornado and becomes a merry-go-round. We're just having fun. Our beliefs shape our expectations. Our expectations shape our reality. And again, our reality influences our beliefs. Eventually, we either find ourselves on a downward spiral that seems out of control, or we're on a merry-go-round, enjoying our life. So, how do we replace and get rid of our ungodly beliefs? Well, take out your little insert. I believe one side says replace, I think, at the top. So look at that. And just follow along. So the first thing we got to do, if you want to start changing stuff in your life, you've got to identify an ungodly belief. Again, and it, what it comes down to is you simply just identifying a thought or a belief or an expectation that you have that is not in agreement with God's word. Okay? And if you have a hard time deciding, I don't know if this is a bad idea or not. I don't know if this is an ungodly belief. Ask someone. Don't ask yourself, ask your spouse, ask a friend, ask one of your leaders, I don't care. Just ask someone, do you think this could be an ungodly belief? Just think about any belief that you have that are negative emotions tied to them. If you have a thought or a belief that's got fear or worry or anger or resentment unbelief, doubts, bitterness, you're blaming people, any of that negative stuff tied to a thought, guess what? You've got an ungodly belief. Okay? So that's your first step. Number two, once you identify the ungodly belief, write it down as a declarative statement, making it stark, blunt, and clear. The more blunt you can get it, the better, because it helps to emphasize the reality of your unbelief, okay? So I'll give you one of mine, example from Tom. You ready? One of my ungodly beliefs that I had to deal with was this. My feelings don't count. No one cares what I feel. Now, half of you will go, oh, that was mine too. Now, notice how declarative it was, how stark and blunt. You know, I didn't try to, to, you know, candy coat it so it didn't seem so ugly. I just put it out there straight. My feelings don't count. No one cares what I feel. 
So write it down as a statement. Once you define what that ungodly belief is, write it down as this blunt statement as you can get it. Next, you're going to pray through your ungodly belief. And now this is where you're going to flip it over onto the back side of that page. And so these are the prayers that you're just going to walk yourself through with that ungodly belief. So I'm going to do it as if it were me. So I pray out loud. I confess my sin and my ancestor's sin of believing the lie that my feelings don't count and that no one cares what I feel. Next, I forgive those who have contributed to my forming this ungodly belief and I forgive and I just let the Holy Spirit show me. Who has helped reinforce this ungodly belief in my life? Maybe my parents acted like they never cared. Maybe a a sibling, maybe a friend, maybe a spouse, maybe a teacher. Whoever the, the Lord brings, you name them out loud. I forgive my mom, I forgive my dad, I forgive my grandpa, I forgive whoever. I forgive Tom. Dear God, forgive me. Name whoever the Lord brings to your mind. Next, I ask you, Lord, to forgive me for receiving this ungodly belief, for living my life based on it, and for any way I have judged others because of it. I receive your forgiveness. Next, you pray. On the basis of your forgiveness, Lord, I choose to forgive myself for believing this lie next you pray i renounce and break my agreement with this ungodly belief i cancel my agreement with the kingdom of darkness i break all agreements i have made with demons because they're in there (laughs) you know the little parrot on your shoulder sometimes they're just they're helping us right along mine doesn't sound like that but eric's got his own demons so Thank you, Pastor Sharon. So the next one, the next one we pray says, I choose to accept, believe, and receive the godly belief. Now this is again where you go to the Lord and you say, God, what's the new godly belief that you want me to have that specifically counters this ungodly belief? Okay? And here was mine. So what the Lord said, he said, and I, as I'm speaking it, I say, my feelings move God's heart and he cares. As I grow in my trust with the Lord, I will let more people know how I feel. That was it. Simple to the point. And once you get that godly belief, now take it back and find it in the word, okay? Find some scripture that can, that can qualify what you heard from the Lord. Because this is where, you know, you, you don't get squirrely thoughts like, you know, my feelings don't count, no one cares how I feel. And then the Lord says, people suck and you don't have to tell anybody how you feel, so you're okay. So don't worry about it. Okay? Guess what? That's not in the Bible. That didn't come from God. I just said you're going to take a whole new lie on 
and you have to work through that stuff. Or I go back to the Bible and I go, wait, I need something true. So for me, I found 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 that says, Cast all your anxiety on him because why? He cares for me. And then once you get that, you get the new godly belief, you write the scripture that supports that puppy, and then now you are going to meditate and pray and declare out loud your new godly belief every day for at least 30 days. Every day. Because it's going to take you some time to get rid of your stinking thinking. But as you sow those new thoughts, oh, the harvest that is coming, it's coming. Amen? Amen. You want to hear some more of my ungodly beliefs? Okay, this is a, these are personal. This is my stuff, all right? So I want brownie points for vulnerability and for sensitivity, okay? Transparency, too. I want all those points. Okay, so here was another one I had to deal with. I'm not important. Just that simple. But here's what the Lord said. At least I heard, I, I, it was my, I've made it a statement now. I am my father's son. He cares for me. And I'm a part of his family. That's it. That's all I needed. Here's another one. Try not to laugh too loud. Other people don't, my, don't meet my standards, so I must do it myself. Other people don't meet my standards, so I have to do it all myself. So here's, where, here's my new godly belief. I choose to extend grace to others while releasing them and myself from perfectionism. Here's another one. Nothing will ever change. That's a big one. But here's what the Lord said. This is what I wrote down. My father says, I make all things new. Transformation is my thing. Therefore, I choose to change my attitude to line up with what God says. Another one I had, I will never get credit for what I do. So here's my new godly belief. I choose to let go of my control as I learn to trust God for his promotion as he shines his light and his timing to fulfill my destiny. This is a big one. It'll be the last one I share, and you can, you can go. I've wasted a lot of time and energy, some of my best years. That's a big, hairy one for me. Here's what the Lord said. He says, I restore the years the locusts have taken. 
and my plan for your life will come to pass. Nothing is wasted with me. So I take these. And every day that these lies come back to try to rule my life, I have to say no. No. My feelings matter. I'm in his family. He cares. God restores. But you're going to have to do it too. There's no more cruise control with your stinking thinking. You're going to have to get serious about this stuff if you want your life to quit acting and, and, and ending up the way it's ending up. You have to. So your homework this week, get busy with your stinking thinking and let God come with the power of the Holy Spirit and to heal your heart. Will you do that? Well, let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for truth. Thank you, God, that you've come to set captives free, God, by our own thoughts. We've imprisoned ourselves, Lord whether it's through experiences, God, or whatever, Father, you've, you've made a way for us. And today we say thank you for that way made through the truth of your word, through the blood of Jesus. We say thank you, God, for healing our hearts, for deliverance, God, that we might be free in our thinking so that we can be free in our living. So today I pray for us, God, that we would be strong and courageous and bold as we go after, God, the truth of what you have to say about us, Lord. Help us, God, as we come to you as our source for healing and deliverance. We love you, God. We love your name. We love your word. And we pray all these things in the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. And everybody says, amen. amen. I just felt there as I was praying, I felt like there were some people or person, I don't know. Um, you don't know, you, you, you don't have a saving knowledge of Jesus. You wouldn't call yourself a Christian. You wouldn't call yourself a follower of God, but I feel like today the Lord wants to make a change for you. So as I dismiss everybody, if you want to quietly just slip up here and talk to me, you can even have some prayer team people up here. But if you're here today and you have never asked Christ in your heart, you've never accepted the gift of life, today is the day. We read it. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. I bless you. Go. Next week, we're going to talk about the third problem area that we all have. But make good use of your time this week and deal with your generational stuff and your ungodly beliefs. Bless you in Jesus' name.